We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. everyone and welcome to Archeo Animals, the show about the archaeology of animal remains. All animal remains in video games, as it seems. <laughs> with you as always is uh, me, myself and I, Simona Falanga, and with me my co-host. And me, Alex Fitzpatrick. You're not by yourself. <laughs> Who has eaten? I have. <gasps> new, new year, new May. <laughs> Except it's March when we're recording this, so took a couple months. It's fine. <laughs> anyway yes we are once again doing a video game episode because you love it we love doing it and hey it's less research to be completely honest because we're uh giant dorks so well i'll, I'll you know. have you know there's a lot of research going into it not for me actually it's uh mostly consists of sitting down and playing said video game True. and if someone yes. tells you off for being on your video game too long be like excuse me it's research exactly shout out to all our archeo gaming friends who have gamed the system by doing that we salute you <laughs> anyway yes we are talking video games specifically we are talking Assassin's Creed, which is, for those of you who don't know, 12 main games, 17 spin-off games, and between me and Simona, we've played two of them. But I've watched two more being played. This is true, yes. And, <laughs> you know, I I know of the other games, so technically we're very prepared. We're just as prepared as we were for the, <laughs> the Pleistocene episode in terms of our actual knowledge <laughs> we were very prepared just confused true i mean I, i've played five of the games but obviously the vote for tristan being quiet during an episode came through last time so <sighs> oh did it now yeah producers should be uh not seen or heard so you know anyway i think we should probably do a real quick rundown of what Assassin's Creed is for those of you who don't know and it's very overwhelming I can understand because again 12 main games 17 spin-off games that's a lot so it's a franchise of stealth and open world games where you play as a, a modern day member of a group known as the Assassins who are searching for ancient artifacts known as the pieces of Eden by using the Animus which is this amazing piece of technology that allows the users to immerse themselves with in the memory of ancestor assassins and you have to evade the main antagonists who are the Templars and basically the more recent games have kind of just you know no one cares about that modern stuff we're here for the past stuff because uh, who cares about the Isu Isu I don't even know how to say it because I don't yeah no no <laughs> boring I think in the later games you do get an option would you like to like leave the animals no I'm good that's all right. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> in Odyssey, you can leave the Animus to do like little story bits. And then it's like you're, they encourage you to walk around and like check out the um, like click on things that give you like more backstory to the modern day stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm going back in the Animus. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, they're just like a, a personally a more fuller, just the exploration of the, the reconstructed ancient world, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone's here for. I mean, clearly that's what they're putting more effort into. I mean, we're not going to get into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, the game itself, because obviously we've played two of the games. <laughs> but, yeah, so I am here to represent Odyssey. That's the only one I've played. And Simona? Uh, I'll be talking about the latest game that's come out, which is Valhalla. And that should be enough for you people, to be completely honest. 
anything that I'm involved in should probably be enough for three lifetimes. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I'm surprised we haven't gotten like a Roman, like a proper Roman Assassin's Creed yet. Because I know there's like, it kind of gets into that period in uh, in Origins, right? Because it's later Egyptian. Well, yeah, because it's a right. Ptolemaic period. So you do yeah. have the Romans in there. It's not the same as like Roman Roman, you know what I mean? We'll take it for the bingo card. If you're marking your bingo card for Archaeologist episodes, you can mark off Romans on your card. Oh, when are we going to actually do that? We got to produce that. Yeah, it's in progress, in progress. Good. Anyway, I think we're going to start with, or I'm going to start with Odyssey, if that's okay. Because I probably have less to say than Simona. (laughs) Sure. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the show notes, Simona. <laughs> so, well, I've done a lot of research. Okay, I have uh, done research by going into my memory banks and remembering the I think over 150 hours I spent in Odyssey, including the DLC. So I think we got into like your own animus. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have like video game brain where i need to do everything and collect everything so uh yeah i spent a lot of time in odyssey like a really long time i am very much the same but i can tell you just as a a quick sort of sidebar in valhalla i just went no i am not doing this just no (laughs) odyssey (laughs) yes Odyssey. So uh, I wanted to talk about one of our favorite things, not ritual, unfortunately, but domestication. We all love it. Everyone loves it. Yeah, what Simona just did. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's like one of the first things that I noticed when I played Odyssey was, wow, this is actually like a really great demonstration of domestication in terms of, you know, domestication drastically changes an animal as they go through the process of being domesticated. Because when you walk around Greece, you see the different kind of variations of domesticated and wild animals. So you'll see dogs just walking around, like domesticated dogs walking around the towns and things like that. And they're very different than the wolves that attack you when you're out just riding uh, your horse Phobos. And there's pigs, like domesticated pigs, that you'll find on farms and things like that. And again, very different from the wild boars that will also attack you and throw you off your horse Phobos. And it's really annoying and I hate them. But I think it's actually a really nice representation of kind of how different the physiology and the behaviors change. I mean, because obviously the wild iterations are specifically in-game mechanics meant to be enemies. So of course they're going to attack you. But I mean, it's you can take that as an example of kind of, you know, the domestication process and the kind of behavioral changes where if you walk around, say, a dog in one of the like local towns they're not gonna hurt you they'll like follow you i don't know i spent a lot of time on my horse so i didn't really pay attention to the dogs but if you're walking around out in the forest or whatever and you come across a wolf it's probably gonna attack you (laughs) so it's it's really interesting and i one of the reasons why uh, we wanted to do this episode and something that i'm really interested in when it comes to assassin's creed is because they're very dedicated on replicating the past that they bring that kind of level of detail to the animals and it's interesting to kind of look at assassin's creed games as a form of reconstruction of the past to a level of detail that you don't necessarily see in other video games because it's specifically like the actual environment around you so like from an archaeological perspective it's really interesting anyway more important than that is the fanciful fauna. Woo! There's definitely plenty of that. Yeah, because obviously when we usually do these video game episodes, we talk about, you know, oh, this is 
the, what's the, the zoo archaeology of these mythical creatures. And the funny thing about the Assassin's Creed games is, again, because they're dedicated to this kind of authenticity, even if they don't necessarily meet the mark in all aspects, we don't really have that kind of like, oh, here's this like monster that we're going to like try and figure out the zoo archaeology of. These are all basically your your actual real life animals. So talking about the zoo archaeology of Assassin's Creed would be like talking about the zoo archaeology of the world. <laughs> it's it would be silly, but because of the two games we're talking about, they do a lot. They delve a lot into the mythology because obviously Greek mythology, Norse mythology, they're like probably the main like other forms of mythology that you learn about specifically in like a western school so of course they're going to delve into that so in odyssey you actually get to run into legendary animals which are extremely cool there's a whole quest line where you're tasked by a worshiper of artemis to hunt legendary animals from greek mythology so you end up fighting the nemean lion callisto the bear like loads of different animals from Greek mythology. And it's really interesting to see how they illustrate those and represent them in the game. They're not necessarily like a bloodborne creature, you know, nothing like nothing like a giant anime looking thing. They're just slightly bigger than their normal iterations, but obviously much more powerful. I think that pretty much goes for all sort of the more recent games as sort of Assassin's Creed has moved to a more sort of uh, not quite RPG, but in a way, uh, the, sort of these open world games, you do tend to find uh, these uh, yeah mythical creatures. I don't think you really found in the previous games and they do tend to be, for the most part, just larger versions of the actual animals. They may have some interesting like fur colouring. So I think yeah. one of the ones in Valhalla is uh, like a complete like a white elk. That's really big. Similar in Odyssey. I think it's two things. I think it's the fact that they're committing more to the past stuff. Because from what I understand, and especially the first couple of games, it was more or less like almost evenly split. You would spend a lot of time out of the Animus as well. And now I think they realize a lot of people just kind of really like the stuff in the past in the Animus. So they're focusing more on that. And also, like I said, the last two games specifically uh i can't really speak for origins but they're picking older time periods than what they normally kind of done so you have more of this like rich lore that you can draw on because the last couple games before these were you know like 18th century london it's revolutionary war era america you know things like that which you don't necessarily have that kind of fanciful thing to draw upon if that makes sense yeah and also the fact that the main the playing characters have not really been assassins because if you think like cassandra or i guess slash alexios but i've uh, played as it's cassandra Cassandra. (laughs) Cassandra is what she was alive long before the assassins were a thing and of course then in in origins bayek is not an assassins himself it's all about how the assassin the audio the the order of the assassins is formed and even in yeah. the latest installment, Eivor is not an assassin. It's yeah. just a person. Again, I think it's that kind of... Not that they're, like, abandoning that storyline, because obviously the assassins and Templars thing is the backbone of the series. I just think they're not focusing as much. Which, again, leaves them all this room to do cool things like the legendary creatures and Odyssey and in Valhalla... And again, they are committing a bit more to the authenticity. I mean, I think they they did it in Odyssey and they did it in Origins. I don't know if they did in Valhalla, but they had the like they had a lot of academic input and I know Odyssey had the and I think also Origins had a thing where you can just walk around and like learn about Egypt and uh, ancient Greece. Yeah, I think like I, I know of Origins for sure where you can do it. I think it's really good because, um, I mean, a lot of effort has been put into these games. Of course, as you said, it doesn't always hit the mark. There's a few things where you go, um, what? But it's brilliantly done, in all fairness. Yeah. And in a way, like there is some like there is some educational value to it, especially with these new sort of exploration modes where you just look around the world like it, it i do think it has a fair amount of value as you said before as well that's a, a reconstruction of 
a particular time period. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like something that archaeology has been doing for a while. Not to this level, though. As soon as, like, digital technologies took off, a lot of archaeologists have been doing digital reconstructions, not necessarily, again, not necessarily at this level of detail. It's really interesting to look at the Assassin's Creed games as, you know, oh, if we had this level of resources and these kind of people working on it, the kind of detailed reconstructions we could do of the past would be mind blowing, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, you have the funding for that. I mean, maybe... Maybe these last couple of Assassin's Creed games are just like a couple of disgruntled archaeologists who secretly were like, let's pretend to be video game developers and get like all the funding we actually been trying to get for ages. That's how you do it. Scam them. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot I could say about Odyssey and obviously I didn't want to take up all the space, but it's like a lot of it's just the mundane, really. Like... My like my partner, I think, was just annoyed at me after a while because I would just point out like, oh, do you see that? Do you see that? Oh, do you see that? Just because I w- it's it's so exciting to kind of see again, like what a detailed reconstruction would be like. And imagining that on all archaeological sites would absolutely blow my mind, especially as zoo archaeologists, we're very kind of among the margins, you know, we're not the fanciest of the archaeologists. We don't have the cool hordes to show off or the cool human remains or anything. We're all just a bunch of animal bones. But, you know, we're important. We make up uh, the background. What would uh, Odyssey or Valhalla be without all the animals just walk you around. What would we do without the cats in Valhalla, Simona? Exactly. And if I like, feel validated with people just going like, oh, look at this very like nice artifact I found. We're like, oh, but look at this cow tibia with this pathology on it. And they're like, okay. If it wasn't for us, you wouldn't have this. So you're welcome, Ubisoft. She's like single-handedly taking credit for the entire Assassin's Creed franchise. <laughs> Listen, when you finally do the Roman Assassin's Creed thing, we will be patiently waiting for our call to be consultants. Just saying. <laughs> can, can, I, can I say just a little tiny, tiny little bit, uh, like just in here? Is this is that okay? Why? Just... Right. Well, look. I, I also feel like um, archaeologists get too excited about Assassin's Creed. And I think there are things about a recreation of the past that is made to be played means that it's not always being faithfully recreated as an experience. You know, like when we play the Assassin's Creed games, we're playing it to play a game. We're not even even in the Discovery Tour uh, that you were talking about, you know, the playable, you know, free kind of like playable place, you're still kind of exploring something that's been crafted by people in the present about what they think about the past. And I think that's something that we need to embrace when we look at these games is that they are a material culture. They're made by people for other people. And they are an active interpretation of that past. So when we see all these cool things in it, you know, we have to think, well, actually, these are cool things, but somebody wanted them to be in there for like to make a point, you know. And so I I, I sometimes feel that like sometimes, you know, I get excited by Assassin's Creed, but at the same time, I also like, hmm, there's other things going on here. Does that kind of make sense? Or am I just putting a diner on everything? I mean, in terms of like bias, I think in a way, like uh, I wouldn't be able to comment necessarily on Assassin's Creed, but bias is inherent to man. I think as hard as we try, we all put our bias into everything. I think like as far as archaeology is a discipline, the hardest thing that you have to, because you absolutely have to try and minimize your bias as much as possible, but it will be there in some form or another, wouldn't it? Totally. And I think uh, that's all I'm saying is that we appreciate that bias and we we work with it uh, rather than looking at it as uh, some objective recreation of the past we're actually looking at this as a wonderful interpretation of the past and i think it's a really good way of introducing the public into the idea of interpretation that it's not just something that's just made up out of thin air but rather it's something put together from some information I don't know. I think that if I jump off of the top of a giant Zeus statue and fall into a pile of leaves, I'll be fine. 
So I think that part's and accurate. And with that, no, <laughs> I, think I think it's that's time. Accurate. I think that's time for a break. Like I don't know our human remains, <laughs> but I think that's I think that's correct. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to zencastr.com and use the code animals everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. And we are back with Archeo Animals, and we are talking about Assassin's Creed today. And it is time. We've all been waiting. Here it is. Simona is ready to talk about romance? Some romance. <laughs> As the, the only one here has played the latest instalment of Assassin's Creed, just uh, Valhalla, um, we thought we'd do a, a little section of, of that, or, or a big section. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of research on it. I've nearly completed it, but it was all research. It was for the good of the podcast, right? I mean, I must say that there are some very, very minor spoilers ahead if you not play the game but they're not storyline spoilers just things that you might expect in world and as i said before valhalla is the latest game of the series taking place in 9th century england as you follow the adventures of eivor who mostly spends their time trying to get around the door that is barred yes you heard that right <laughs> as you'd expect valhalla gives you some insight into daily life on both sides of the dane law but one thing I didn't really expect, not sure why, is how heavily the Romans would feature in this game. Because as you wander through the roads of uh, England, you'll come across many ruins, artifacts and codices. And uh, really, I should have seen it coming. Because, of course, while we don't have a lot of standing archaeology <laughs> left today, Roman ruins would mo more than likely have been around in the ninth century. Okay. <laughs> hey. Uh, you know, that, that's how that dawned on me like me, an academic an, an, an intellectual uh, a Roman academic a Roman well, Queen Roman yeah, just intellectual, I'm not an academic really I guess, I've gone to university That that's my academia there. that counts but another very quick aside because as Alex mentioned about Odyssey is just how like nice is to see like some features of how the world's been recreated that sort of are fairly faithful to sort of what we find in the archaeological record, both myself and my partner, who's also an archaeologist, were actually quite excited about the furrows <laughs> in Valhalla. <laughs> so the first row of the Saxon uh, furrows is sort of S-shaped, as they actually are in the archaeological record, which really shows how much research has gone into it. And I guess for those of you who are lucky enough to not have a single clue about what a furrow is, let me ruin that for you. So, the ridge and furrow, as it's his full name, is a ploughing system which was widely used in Britain from the medieval to the post-medieval period within, as you'd expect, open field systems. So unless you specifically study cultivation systems or this particular one of the ridge and furrow, furrows generally tend to be the bane of an archaeologist's existence, as uh, the only thing they're really, really good at is completely destroying the archaeology that's underneath. So well done, furrows. 
amazing work. And in case anyone was wondering what, why the S shape is because, of course, sort of in the earlier uh, medieval period and post-Roman period, you'd kind of get, you know, an S shape because that's what happens if you have a large team of oxen plowing field. So back to the actual show. <laughs> I mean, in terms of creatures, to be fair, like much of what Alex has said about Odyssey stands true for Valhalla. Because here, too, we see sort of the wild and domesticated counterparts of wolves and dogs and boars and pigs. And uh, we see how their physiology changes through domestication. Also, another domesticate that prominently features in the game are the murderous roosters. (laughs) They're not hostile, but if you, like, happen to graze them ever so slightly by mistake, they will murder you. Yeah, those are actually, there's a a whole island in Odyssey. I think it's a little Easter egg, but there's a whole island of murderous chickens that you can find. And I forget what the weapon is called if you kill them all, but it's like a a chicken pun. (laughs) Amazing. It's great. (laughs) And again, like going back to the poultry, I do find that if I'm remembering correctly from the game, I mean, I may have to put a bit more research into it. But they seem to be relatively smaller in size than domesticated chickens in the present day. So, like the size-wise, they mostly reminded me of bantams, which are sort of a smaller type of chickens that still exists today. Yeah. But I think, like back in the day, that would have pretty much been the size of just your average chicken. So, I mean, so you do tend to find mostly the fauna and flora that you'd expect uh, in post-Roman England. Not quite as many alien big cats roaming around England as uh, Greece in Odyssey, which seem to be teeming with leopards and lions, which I'm not too sure they belong there, but uh, they made for some nice hostile creatures to fight. Yep. But, you know, some, some fanciful creatures do occur, I mean, I've noticed on several occasions uh, a little creature that to me looked an awful lot like a grey squirrel. (laughs) Gentlemen, a a nice Saxon grey squirrel, which of course weren't introduced to Britain until the Victorian period, as I'm pretty sure I've mentioned about 2,400 times. But I may have been wrong. It might have just been a very greyish coloured red squirrel. A red squirrel that was having a bad day. Who knows? (laughs) What you do also see in Valhalla a bunch uh, are snakes that are casually hiding in large terracotta vessels, ready to attack you as you smash them, which I'm pretty sure is also true for Odyssey and uh, Origins. Although, to be fair, when it comes to snakes, I mean, I'm not sure what their tendency to hide in terracotta vessels is, although it does make for a nice game mechanic. Snakes do exist in Britain. I mean, largely in the form of the adder, the grass and the smooth snake. Because I tend to kill these snakes in game pretty much instantly, I've not really, I can't really comment if the ones found in these jars are any or indeed either of these three that I've mentioned. But the snakes. I wonder if that's just a holdover from Odyssey, because snakes were a huge part of Odyssey. You couldn't walk like three feet in an ancient Mycenaean tomb without running into 30 snakes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same thing in Origins. And uh, it is very much the same for Valhalla. And at first I thought, like, okay, we're like, oh, there's snakes in all these terracotta pots here as well. But to be fair, there are about three species of uh, snakes in Britain, so that's not actually far-fetched. True. I can't comment for the, if there's any sort of snake behavioural experts that can tell us about their tendency to go hide in in terracotta vessels. (laughs) But again, it makes for the game mechanic because you go, you break the pots to like, you know, loot some uh, coins and things and then, ooh, snake in your face. <laughs> anyway, game mechanic. It makes it fun. And of course, much like in Odyssey, as I think I've mentioned before, you do tend to have some mythical creatures that do tend to be usually just a larger version of the actual sort of real life animal. I feel like some are loosely based on folklore like one that i can think in particular there's a a black dog Mm. that you fight and of course because a black dog features very prominently in the folklore of britain and ireland yeah it might be to do with that but also you know much 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 larger puppers of the the likes of fenrir Mm. which is a a definitely well-known mythological creature (laughs) but i guess one thing that i've uh, noticed in Valhalla that I've not really noticed in the other games, so maybe I'm not I'm not been paying attention enough. So you do actually see a fair amount of animal remains throughout the map. 
tend to see them a lot used as decor or within ritual places. So you have a lot of altars that tends to be sort of like a pagan altars scattered about everywhere with a, a collection of animal bones, usually in a interesting shapes uh the, i mean there's um skulls feature very very prominently and as you'd expect is usually horned and uh like horned animals and animals with antler so you do get mostly red deer skulls and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of um oxen as well yeah so you do as i said you see them as a uh, decor just in the long house because one thing that you have in your very own long house although with the fleshy bits still attached to it you actually get trophies because when you do hunt all the mythical creatures the master hunter in your village actually makes a trophy out of the head and they all get displayed oh, in your long house that's so cool i love that that's great yeah. oh yeah it's it's a nice little feature and uh, but you do get your sort of various cow and red deer skulls like outside of longhouses or just private homes and you also see uh again antler and horn uh feature prominently as headgear so not quite horned helmets but uh one that i think uh, that comes to mind in particular uh with uh, antler and horn being used as headgear are the daughters mm-hmm. of lirion which are these three witches that you fight in the swamps oh cool which uh i think from what i gather the, like, the daughters of lirion are loosely based on uh on king lear like king of the britons and also subject yeah. of um shakespeare play so i think it's sort of very loosely based on that the, the witches do have the same names of as King Lear's daughters. So I think they have a lot of like interesting Easter eggs sort of based off literature and mythology and modern music as well. Oh, okay. That's actually pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, there's a prodigy related quest, which I won't won't spoil for people, but it it made me uh, laugh an amount. (laughs) And speaking of animals fashion as headgear, I think the one that stuck the most is that you actually get to see the Mariluid in Valhalla. And for those of you who have not heard of it, and uh, for those of you who have heard of it, but have not recognised it because I butchered the pronunciation, um, <laughs> the Mariluid is a Welsh tradition that usually takes place around like Christmas or the winter season. And um, it was likely pagan in origin, though it was first reported in the 1800s. So I guess a very, very quick way of summarizing it, and uh, if, if you're Welsh, please don't hate me. I'm doing it and trying my best. But someone would wear a horse skull on a pole, so uh, roughly where your head should be, decorated with ribbons. And actually the jaws of the horse skull have inches, so you, the, the skull can basically open and close its mouth. So thus the Mariluid would parade around the village and houses, uh, requesting entry through song. <laughs> When eventually let in, they would be given food and drink. It's extremely cool. I I love the concept of the Mary Lewis. So that's cool that it's in there. No, it it is uh, incredibly cool. And uh, yeah, as uh, Eivor actually does dress up as the Mary Lewis in 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 Gloucestershire or Gloucestershire, as uh, they would have said (laughs) in times of yore. Uh, (laughs) Now, there's a slight issue with that. But then again, I'm not sure whether it's an acceptable variant. So again, if you know of this tradition, please let us know. But when actually playing through it, I've realised that um, aside from the skull in question being worn on the face as a mask, as opposed to sort of on a pole with the hinged jaws, uh, I've noticed that in game, uh, Eivor is wearing a cow skull, not a horse. Hmm, okay. Because you can sort of like, I, I had to like look for a photo, but I could just see like in the sort of uh, cutscenes in the video game already, that like, there were no upper incisors, the dentition looked a bit off, and so like the mm, the orbits, and I was like, mm, I don't think that's a horse. Then like, so I looked it up, be like, no, 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 definitely cow. Yeah, no, that, that that's a cow. And of course, the event actually takes place, because it's specifically mentioned in game, that it takes place uh, around Samhain. The precursor mm-hmm. of Halloween instead of sort of like further along in the winter. I wonder if it's just more of a clearly inspired by the Mary Lewis, but like kind of representing like its pagan origins, maybe? Yeah, potentially. Because like later on, you would have had Saturnalia anyway. So, but they, they went for Samhain, which. Yeah, I mean, the real answer is that it's just like a, a nice Easter egg, but. <laughs> If we're trying to, like, explain it. Yeah, I mean, you get the Mary Lewis, you get the Wicker Man as well. Ah, nice. On that, no no bees references. 
I, I was I was hurt. Uh, I mean, that's a bit rude. Uh, I, I do want to point out that the, the the one and only time that me and Simona have met in person, we got to bond over Wickerman. So yeah, exactly. We were bonded over like a, a however much tall Wickerman getting set on fire. That was fun, and, and that was the before time. So <laughs> yeah. Remember uh, what? Remember what it was like being somewhere with loads of people around you. Nah, can't be me. Uh, but no, I. I this, it's really interesting to hear this about Valhalla because I remember originally, like the, there was already rumors, like before they even announced it, of oh, the next Assassin's Creed game is going to be Vikings, and I remember being like, oh, that's actually kind of that makes sense, I guess, because you know, a couple years before that, the most recent what's it called uh god of war game was all kind of norse viking not viking but like norse themed and obviously we you know even before that you know skyrim and things like that so i was like oh okay so i was just jumping on that kind of like thread but then i oh i was gonna say because vikings are very in lately yes because you yeah. have, you know, you have the History Channel show, you have The Last Kingdom that also prominently features Saxon and Vikings. And of course, you had, as you said, the video games, you had Skyrim, God of War, that's now set in Scandinavia for reasons. It's good, though. I really enjoyed it. But it's just like, OK, that, that's a thing that happened to the franchise. But yeah, no, I was, I was so interested in, in that. And then, of course, I got way interested because they were like, oh, actually, it's going to take place in uh, Britain. You're going to be a Viking, but like, not in Scandinavia, which is really interesting that they decided to do that because I feel like, especially with most Viking-themed things, you don't necessarily get to cover that kind of crossover. So it's interesting to see that as the the period of choice, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you do get a map in Norway. So Norway is one of the maps you can explore. Okay. So you, yeah. get, you get England, you get Norway, and... Spoiler, skip if you wish to not hear. You get Vinland as well. Oh, okay. I, I I had a feeling that it probably you probably hit that at some point. So not surprised, but cool to hear. Yeah. Again, it's not like it's it's a map. This uh, n- yeah. nothing major storyline wise, but it's a thing you can do. Yeah. No. It's it, it's really interesting. I feel like even in the past, like uh, from what I know of Origins, because it's the uh, Ptolemaic make a period like that's also a very specifically interesting like period of time to choose because obviously you could just easily be like oh it's ancient egypt and have it as like a nebulous you know like middle kingdom thing or something but But it it always seems like a and actually i think it's true for both valhalla and and origins in a way that they're taking place uh a time where things are changing. So in a way, like Egypt almost, not that it wasn't Egypt anymore, but of course, you know, the Greeks were around and the Romans were around. So yeah. sort of being Egyptian and leaving in, uh, living in Egypt, sort of like that, the meaning of that was sort of changing as if foreign influences were getting into yeah. the country for better or for worse. But in a way, it's the same for Valhalla because they didn't set to say in 8th century England or like uh, the early 9th, sort of when the raids started to happen. It's sort of is set sort of still in that time frame, but a little bit later than that. So it's not, they've not been riding the wave of, uh, oh, let's go and raid England and conquer all of it. Of course, there are raiding things because it's part of the game mechanic, but it's actually sort of at that point where you arrive in England, but you want to settle. So it's all about sort of uh, uh, being appreciative of the differences between sort of your people, sort of the Norse and the Saxons and trying to find common ground because both of you want to call that country your home, Hmm. if that makes sense. And I think that's a good place to take a break. So I think we will and we'll get back with our next segment. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. In the video game episodes, we're a bit more loosey-goosey with the layout. So instead of case studies, I'm sorry, I apologize that we're not doing case studies because basically this whole episode was case studies. We're just kind of generally going to talk about Assassin's Creed now because, again, we've only played two of them. I wanted to like throw a little like area for like bits and pieces. Uh, so like one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I think it's one of the reasons why I was really keen on doing this episode, is the Great Auk. We got to talk about the Great Auk. As I-, I think I've talked about on this podcast, I love the Great Auk because I have personally met the Great Auk, well, the, the remains of the Great Auk. I was going to say, like, I'd be very impressed if you met, like, a living, like, great orc. Like, is that what the academics are hiding from us? The great orc lives? I want to be like, you know, like, when we're recording this, we recently had the thylacine news of the alleged thylacine, which is a uh, extinct marsupial from... Australia, there was a whole big thing of like, oh, we finally caught more f- like real footage of the, the the last thylacine or whatever, and it well another one. Yeah, it, it came out like literally on the first of March, so two days ago from when we're recording this, and it, it was not a thylacine as it turns out. But I want to be that person, but with the great auk. <laughs> then you be the person you want to be. Yeah, I'm just gonna take photos of like puffins. <laughs> and like really tall puffins and like pe- like penguins and be like oh look I found the great auk. I feel like that'd be a good like career shift for me, you know. <laughs> just 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 put a little like makeshift like beak sheath on a puffin. <laughs> there you go, great auk. Just like like just like hot glue like. This is a joke. This is a hypothetical. I wouldn't do that, but it would be funny. <laughs> but yeah, we have to talk about the Great Auk. So just like some background on the Great Auk. I love talking about the Great Auk. It's a very sad extinct bird that used to be very prominent in the North Atlantic and the Atlantic Isles. And then people just kept killing it. And as it got more and more rare and endangered people were like hey you know what we should have a bunch of great auk for our natural history collections so they they kept dying even more because that made sense like conservation wasn't really like a thing at the time i I, I mean it was conservation but in the form of stuffing yeah in a way it was conservation but not like not the best kind, but yeah. And then the last one, allegedly, allegedly the last one was killed because three sailors thought it was a witch, so they tied it up to the the mast of their ship and then beat it to death. So, oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, sad story. But I guess Assassin's Creed wanted to pay homage to such a sad, sad bird because uh, you can find it. In Assassin's Creed Rogue, which I believe is like a, a spin-off game from Black Sails. It's, yeah, it's kind of like a spin-off game. It's not really yeah. a really full game. It doesn't get highly rated. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I only know because my, my partner had pointed out like, oh, isn't that, as isn't that the bird that you won't shut up about? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it is. So you play as Shay Cormac, who is, I believe, a Templar. He's like an ex-assassin who becomes a Templar. I don't really care about that stuff. But With the most uh, offensive Irish accent ever. Really? Like, I really click. I it is it is levels of like where I feel offended as an Irish person, like that bad. Really? 
Huh. Okay. Anyway, ignoring that, you're sailing the North Atlantic in this game, and as you sail around, you can occasionally find, like, loads of great auk who uh, scatter immediately when you go past them, like they jump in the water and stuff. And I just wanted to bring that up because I appreciate the detail. Again, it's a testament to the kind of commitment to these really small details. Obviously, at the time, you would be running into lots of great auk. And it's also not really a well-known extinct species. When I looked up, because I also, just to hype up my blog, uh, I wrote about it for a blog post and I was looking for images and I found, I guess I found so many YouTube videos and blog posts from when the game was released, because I guess in one of the trailers you could see them and people were like, oh, what, why are there penguins in the, in like the Atlantic Ocean? And it's like, they're not penguins, they're great auk. So yeah, shout out to them for that. I feel represented. I relate to the sad great hawk. No, it, it's a it's a nice little thing. I've, I've yeah. never played the game myself, but I mean, I haven't either. I just really got really excited. Uh, I'm not going to play the game for that, but you know. No, and I guess it's also nice again just to explain things that you know video games can do because, of course, they they they've sort of reconstructed. A different time period, and um, well, aside from like sort of the flora and fauna that um, most of which is still around today, you, you do also get to see reconstructions of extinct animals, and it might be a lot of people's first experience of you know a great orc that they might not have heard of before. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't know how much more they really get into it if there's like a codex for it or anything, but still very cool. And I guess the the other thing that we have to talk about, I feel like we can't not talk about eagles in this can we i mean they're so prominent throughout the franchise i mean i've only played the two games and even i know so yeah i mean i hate to i hate to call in tristan i hate to do it but i'm gonna do it tristan is i know that there's like eagle vision in the the earlier games but is there other like prominent eagle stuff is it just the kind of like symbolic use I mean, the, like the eagle sound is like the call of the eagle is embedded in my brain. <laughs> okay. Playing like okay. for like Assassin's Creed one, two, Revelations Brotherhood, three. It's it's the sound of jumping into hay. <laughs> like it really is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I don't know what it's like in Valhalla or Odyssey, but like if you if you jump into hay in an Assassin's Creed game, you hear the eagle. And I think I think it comes from this kind of like, yeah, it comes from this kind of like, I don't know, diving like an eagle, but eagles don't really dive. It's more like falcons who dive, like, you know, peregrine falcons. So I don't actually know where that comes from. And I also think I can't even I don't even know which eagle the noise is from, but I don't think it's like a normal eagle. I think it's like a specific breed. It's it's very common. It's very common. Okay, yeah, because I guess it just becomes extremely literal in the later games. Like, like Bayek in Origins and Cassandra slash Alexios both own eagles. (laughs) Just Cassandra. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I will say, I I play as Cassandra as well. Cassandra, I love her. She's my girlfriend. But Alexios is a great representation of a himbo, and we stand. So... What is that? Sorry. Oh, it's like how do you? Oh. Okay, do, have you? Do you know the Emperor's New Groove, like the film? No. Oh, that's oh damn it! Like Gronk is uh, Alex. You realize Gronk is like a, a perfect example of a himbo. I mean, it's basically like a bimbo, but a man. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like a but, but we usually say himbo for like a big, like thick boy. Yeah. Bastard gets it. Um, But yeah, no, because I've always played as Cassandra in Origins, except for for Valhalla, I'm actually playing as male Eivor. I'm I'm fully aware the female Eivor is canon, but male Eivor. But yeah, I mean, when I looked it up, it seems like 
if you look carefully at the the classic assassins design for armor and weaponry, it's all based on eagle, like an eagle motif. And as Tristan said, the, the eagle noise plays when you dive. The method of scouting that assassins use, where they're like perched up in a high area, are is called eagle vision. And then basically in the later games, so the games that me and Simona have played, it's just extremely literal. <laughs> but I think it's a really interesting kind of example of the like cross cultural views of certain animals the fact that you have eagles in both origins and odyssey is very interesting in odyssey you're literally referred to as the eagle bearer because obviously eagles is related to zeus in greek mythology so it's basically as cassandra you're often referred to as oh eagle bearer and one character is always like oh i wish zeus gifted me with an eagle just like he gifted it to you and the, your eagle is called Ikros, <laughs> who is the guy who flew too close to the sun. Also, I don't know if you know, Simona, there is a side quest in Odyssey where someone is claiming to be the eagle bearer. And you find the fake eagle bearer. And instead of an eagle, they have a chicken named Chikaros. <laughs> no, I've it's not extremely good. Oh, it's not, so good. <laughs> I, I've not actually got around to completing Odyssey because then just, I think another playthrough of Dragon Age got in the way. Oh, and, and Andromeda as well. But the one thing I was going to add about the eagle visions, I think in the latest in the later games, it's not called uh, Eagle Vision at all. So, you know, when you highlight enemies yeah. around you, that's, at least in Valhalla, that's not Eagle Vision anymore. Oh. What is it? That's called Odin Sight. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. I can't remember. What can't you remember? Oh, yeah. I can't remember if it's called Eagle Vision in Odyssey. I mean, it's a little bit different, obviously, because you basically take over uh, Icarus and, you know, pinpoint things. And I believe in Valhalla, you become a raven. Yeah, that's the one. But I thought I thought that wasn't the Eagle Vision. The Eagle Vision was the one where you, not where you actually take the place of your bird, but it's, uh, I don't know, on console, it's just pressing R3. Is when you yeah, like, uh, it sort of highlights enemies around you. Like it doesn't really have much to do with the bird, but I thought that was the eagle vision in the older games. Uh, I mean, again, hate to call him, but Tristan, is that correct, or do you know? I'm uh. not sure what it's called in the like specifically. I'm pretty sure eagle vision is in one, two. Two and a half and three. I can't remember what it's called in Black oh. Flag explicitly. I, I found an article. So Eagle Vision in the previous games would let you see through walls to track your targets. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that doesn't actually exist in Odyssey because obviously you just have Icarus to kind of pinpoint. Yeah. So I guess yeah. that, okay. oh, that's come back in Valhalla then because your raven can't actually track enemies or scout them. You actually have to use Odin Sight for that. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit weird about that. Yeah, I think that was like one of the selling points of Od of not Odyssey, of Valhalla, and it's something my partner pointed out was like, oh, they're bringing back a lot of the classic Assassin's Creed elements because obviously Odyssey really went like completely left field in a lot of respects in comparison to other Assassin's Creed games, and that it seemed like Valhalla was kind of hitting a sweet spot in the middle between the kind of more open world basic RPG stuff that Odyssey brought and the kind of Assassin's Creed stealth things, you know? Uh, you can really, like, do it both ways in Valhalla because I find, like, I've never really found a need for sneaking around. You can go, well, not quite guns blazing, but axe blazing, I guess, <laughs> and just, like, kill everyone, and that's fine. But, I mean, but in a way, that sort of means that your bird is sort of redundant in a way because, of course, before you uh, could, okay. like, track your enemies and... And that was that was the way you'd discover them in Odyssey, and then you know the little sound as you're flying through, and all the doop, 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 as it selects, like it shows all the enemies that pop up and their strength. You, you don't get any of that in Valhalla. Oh, okay. But I guess back to like so, well, the birds per se, as uh, I guess we've hinted several times by now. I mean, you do have, as you said, you know, like cross cultural views of certain animals. So you do see the eagles. I guess in the Earlier of the newer games, I guess the eagles are there 
purely because uh, they sort of become in a way to symbolize the assassins. And then mm-hmm. in Odyssey, it moves a little bit more mythological because, as you said, you know, your eagle's called Icarus. Again, the other guy who flew too close to the sun. So you're getting a little bit more into mythology there. And in Valhalla, I said, as we've uh, hinted several times by now, you have no eagle at all. You actually have a raven, um, <laughs> which makes sense because the, the raven is very prominent in Norse mythology. And as many of you would know, it, the raven is associated with Odin, who did in fact own two of them, Hogin and Munin. Um, and the two would actually fly around Midgard, so like our world, and gather information, and then they would go and relay it to Odin. So in a way, like it's an interesting little thing, because that's pretty much exactly what your bird is supposed to do, because they, they gather around, because you can still scout for resources and such, and then, you know, they come back to you. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting to see that again, because it's something we touched upon in the first two parts of this episode, the kind of, you know, these later games are leaning more into the cultural kind of mythologies based in the, the time period and cultures that they're set around. So it's interesting that they took what was more or less like a sort of mechanic in the original earlier games and kind of combining it with the the cultural touchstones that we know about. So again, Icarus and Zeus and the Ravens and Odin in Valhalla and combining them together so that there it makes sense in the the kind of lore of the game, you know, like obviously in Odyssey, if you have that eagle flying around you, you're gonna you're going to utilize the eagle because of course, you know, oh, this was a gift from Zeus. Of course I'm gonna use this eagle. And likewise with ravens, obviously we're gonna use this raven. It's, you know, they're important. Yeah, it's a pretty nifty one. You can actually like get different skins for the raven and have it in different colours. Also, I forgot to mention in all this, like, I have not mentioned the name of the poor raven. Oh, no. The raven's called Sunin. Oh, I like Icarus. It's just fun to say. Yes, it is. I mean, playing Odyssey was great as someone who was formerly a classical archaeologist. Because I'm like, oh, I remember all these pronunciations. Heroctodos. Icarus. It's fun. (laughs) <laughs> I really enjoyed yeah. that. I think that led to a very quick, like, oh, let's see how much ancient Greek I remember and got myself a little book and, <laughs> 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 and, and trying, trying to see if I could remember the alphabet. Sometimes, of course, you'd have uh, inscriptions in ancient Greek throughout the game. And I'm like, yeah, I can't remember how to read that. And it bothers me. Aww. So, you know, it, 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 it's a jumping platform for actual learning. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it might be a nice way to end this episode by just kind of saying, where would you want to go next with Assassin's Creed? Romans! Okay, I don't know why I asked that. I knew the answer. I don't know why I said that. Why don't we go to, right? And this is, I know this is going to sound crazy. Why don't we go to just before the first Assassin's Creed game was made and do an archaeology of the development of Assassin's Creed? Like, you play one of the people who's playing the developer who's creating the first game. Uh, I'm that right. is I'm the right. kind of meta-analysis that I love. Reflexology, baby, or reflexiness, baby. I love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. This anyway, is why we don't let me talk. No. Never again. Anyway, I think that's a good place to end the episode. So, as always, you can find us on Twitter at ArcheoAnimals. We have a Facebook page at ArcheoAnimals. You obviously can find us on ArcheologyPodcastNetwork.com. Join Archaeology Podcast Network as a member. It supports us. It supports the network and the rest of the shows. You get cool bonus content. And obviously, send us a message if you want us to cover another video game. We're kind of running out of video games that we could definitely do offhand. So always happy to have suggestions. I'll say, if you want just an entire episode of Bastet Purring, we can also arrange that. Yeah. So let us know on Twitter. Rate, subscribe, like, whatever. You know the drill. Bye, everyone. Bye.
listening to Archeo Animals. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. You can find us on Twitter at Archeo Animals. Also, the views expressed on the podcast are those of ourselves, the hosts and guests, and do not necessarily represent those of our institution, employers and the Archaeology Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV Traveling America, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 